So what are we doing? I skip the first sentence and then just do the... Uh, oh, let's do live from the Lynn's Magazine. Live from... This is Saturday night. Live, <laughs> live from the live world's from largest the, weekly stamp How about, how about live from Sydney, live. Ohio? Live from the launch there bag of Omaha. Live from Sydney, Ohio. Ah. <laughs> Home of Lynn Stamp News. Home of Lynn Stamp News. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I'll, try and, I'll try and remember all that. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Liftoff. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? Sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from Sydney, Ohio, home of Lynn Stamp News. This is Stamp Show here today, episode number 222, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. This is Tom. This is Scott. This is Cash. This is Mark. And this is Bobby Prager. Yes, and today we have Bobby Prager from Gary Posner Incorporated. And... Since we're from uh, Sydney, Ohio, the home of Linz, we were going to go through uh, Linz Magazine here. I'm holding the, uh, what is this? This is July 8th, 2019 issue, and let's see what's inside. Wow, there's an ad here for Gary Co- Posner Incorporated, and we happen to have Bobby Prager here. Welcome. 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 Thank you so much, guys. A pleasure being here. Okay. So, uh, how did you and Posner actually get together? Well, let's see. My dad was in the business back in the 70s, and I was also part of the company at that time. We initially started out as Father and Son Stamp Company. And um, at that time, we were doing shows in Brooklyn, New York, at a place called the Golden Gate Motor Inn. And they would have a stamp show every second Sunday. And I remember this kid walking around, and I was at 17, and this kid was about 14. And he'd be walking around with a briefcase and going to different tables, and he eventually came over to our table. And those are the days when C18 singles were selling for $300 and $400, and 834 <laughs> singles were selling for 250 And that was my friend Gary Posner. And he actually sold my father some stamps, and I became pretty friendly with him, and uh, this is now... 35 years later. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and now we've been doing business together for over know, over 35 years. What, what really sparked it where you said, hey, you with the briefcase, come over here. Let's get together and start making money on stamps. Well, actually, that wasn't how it initially started. Um, <laughs> when he started selling my dad some stamps, um, it was kind of exciting because I was in the business with my dad. And then I just kept on seeing Gary around at other stamp shows, and we became pretty good friends. And then... Um, Back in the probably maybe late 80s, we decided to get together, and uh, Gary actually had a partner at that time, and the company they formed was called Certified Philatelics back in the 80s. And um, I was part of that group, and I was basically sales and pretty much the people person that dealt with (laughs) all the collectors. And uh, that's how I got my love for stamps and the whole industry, and uh, my friendship with Gary pretty much blossomed over the years. And you're still the uh, 
people person. I still am the people person. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. But, Gary, but Gary does know stamps. I got to tell you, he really oh, yeah. is smart. Oh, yeah. I'm going to interrupt real quick sure. just for any of our listeners who do not know what Gary Posner Incorporated is. Um, this is basically the second largest stamp company in the United States, arguably. I can't think of anybody who is larger except Mystic. And Mystic, again, they deal mostly with beginners. You carry things that, you know, well, I'm looking at your... Well, Mystic, Mystic carries the whole range. Um, Gary and Bobby are more focused on uh, the higher-end material, whether it's a common stamp in an uncommon That's uh, condition That's or... True. Or uh, just a truly outright rare item. Well, Whether, and it could be blocks, it could be single stamps, it sure. could be. Well, when was the last time you sold a Grenada complete set of Zeppelin stamps? Never. Probably never. <laughs> <laughs> I would say never. <laughs> so yeah. there, Not that there, I'd be um, you know, against it, but I just... There's well, a difference in the <laughs> company philosophy. Between actually, well, it's interesting, you know, Scott, we all, I also love um, helping out like beginner collectors i've done it i'm not oh, saying of course we all kids do. only but yeah. even guys in their 30s and 40s kind of like starting out you know what what should i do what should i collect and i said collect anything that you're going to enjoy collecting forget the money the value just whatever you could afford have a passion for it and if it if it's a stamp the it's 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 limitless what you could find interesting you know topics and you, everything you, you never know what aspect of stamp collecting is going to strike a chord with somebody it could be the way it's produced it could be the subject it could be uh, the history you just never know and so you kind of gotta when you're working with a beginner you kind of got to expose them to everything and you share your passion but you kind of got to at well, least Bobby, give them an idea I, I actually too. i actually i tell people i collect through collectors like i used to collect when i was a kid i did i loved going to the post office with my dad and um, his name in the business was Play Block Irving, so I got the love for Play Blocks, actually. So I started out with Play Blocks. I remember going to the post office, and they would tear off the little corner of the sheet, and it made me thrilled. I remember Space Achievement. I remember all the, all the stamps back then that I enjoyed collecting as a kid. It was because I was interested in it, you know? Um, so the passion started back then, but it's true. You know, people don't really know what they're going to love about stamps until they try different areas, and it becomes a passion. That's what it does become. Well, not only that, a lot of times it changes over the years, too. Um, you know, you can initially be interested in one thing, and, you know, 10 years down the road, you're you're working on something totally different because that's what has your attention True. for the moment. So um, it, it's just a great hobby. And also, it goes, it's interesting. People also collect, say, certain stamps, and they decide to just collect the stamp. But then all of a sudden, as their taste changes and the parameters of collecting change, all of a sudden, the stamp they bought 10 years ago, they look at, oh, my God, why did I buy that stamp? And yeah. then what they do is they upgrade. They, they buy one that's graded maybe, a graded 90 or XF stamp versus one that would barely grade a 50. But aesthetically, initially, it was okay for them. But now their tastes mature, and they want to um, have a collection that has a consistency through it as far as centering. And bam, now it's a whole new area for them. Well, and a lot of a lot of times their pocketbook gets a little deeper too. Sure, over the years, can afford more as you you know. Yeah, get I a mean, job a lot of beginner collectors don't spend a lot of money for one of two different reasons: one, they don't have the money, or two, they don't want to lay it out on something that they're not sure they're going to like. 
Yes, that's true. And so it could be either one of those reasons, but you'd never know. No. And so, but, uh, you know, and then if it's the first one, you know, they may not get very far, but they still have the same desire as everybody else. And how many people do I run into that say, you know what, I stopped collecting, and so I started college and had a family, and now I'm 60 years old or 55 years old. I want to go back to the hobby that I mm-hmm. loved as a kid. And now, yeah, I have some money I could spend on something I really want to really expand on. And I love people like that because you really could have fun building a collection with them. And one thing they really do want is guidance. because, And I believe the guidance should be from the heart. You see a stamp, you tell them why you like it. And I always say, but you have to be the one to like it. You know, If you look at a stamp and you say, ooh, I wish it was a little, then I say, don't buy it. <laughs> Look at a stamp that you're going to want to look at for the next 25 years in that book. So don't buy something just to buy it. Buy it because it's the end one you want to wind up with. And that's something I believe every collector, whatever area of collecting, even if it's not stamps, buy the one you really want. And stamps, like I said, it's you want to buy the right one once. You don't want yeah. to buy it twice well, and three times. Yeah, and, and that's particularly the more expensive the stamp, the, the more you should consider that. Now, when you get into the really rare stuff, you know, beggars can't be choosers comes to mind mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes they just don't exist in the condition that you want. Well, well, actually, I think I agree with Bobby, even for the cheap stuff. It's like if you have the choice of spending a quarter for a stamp, get the one that you want to look at forever. Don't get the one for a dime or 15 cents. You know, you're saving yeah. 10 cents. Right. Oh, absolutely. Get right. the absolutely. nice one, even if it's a cheap stamp. Be, 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 be picky, especially yeah. on the cheap and stuff. Also, what I also want to, I always tell people, every stamp has a value in, in your mind, what it's worth to you. And if it's not what it, the price is being presented to you, pass it up. Because yeah. there is a right price that you have to feel comfortable with. Yeah. And when I sell a stamp... I'd like to sell a stamp at a price that if this person ever had to sell it again, could pretty much get out of it what they put into, a little less, a little more. But again, In enjoy, the enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. it. Don't worry about what the value is going to be later on, but buy the stamp that you're going to really love. And I always say buy a stamp that you feel someone else is going to want to take care of one day again. Yeah. And yep. that's a stamp you should really consider the one as far as in putting the money into. You know, You guys got together when the market was on the rise. But then it saw a precipitous drop. How did you guys survive that? It's, it's something that we didn't really expect to happen. It's, you know, it was like a bubble, but what we were selling it at were prices that the market was going to bear. I wasn't trying to hurt any collectors. I was buying Zeppelin sets for $8,500 a set of singles and selling it for 10000 Yeah. And yeah, but you bought all the way up and oh, all the way course. down. And so we still, at the end, truthfully, we still wound up probably at the end of the day Losing money, overall losing some money. But you know what? If you're only in for just the money part, you shouldn't do any business. You know, Gary and I still love the hobby. We love this stuff. So and we make a living. It's true we make a living. But, you know, I'm sure there's other things we could be doing to make more money in. But this is something, it's a passion for us. So that's why we still do this. Well, you know. in my opinion, it's better than digging ditches all day. Oh, yeah. But that's just me. No, no, but I, I, you're 100% right. I, I love what I do. I love dealing with the people, dealing with the collectors. And, you know, when you sell a collector, it's so cool when you have a stamp that will finish off that collector's set. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. It's like, 
yeah, it's, yeah. No, it's I, a great, I, it's a great feeling, and they I get that. They're like the the appreciation they have that you actually took the time to remember they were looking for this stamp to complete the set for them. And I send an email or a text message or a scan of a stamp. John, you were looking for the stamp. What do you think? Go. Oh my God. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you for remembering me. I have a wantless system that I put everyone's want list in. It's computerized. And when I enter a stamp in my system, it comes with the people's names, who needs it, and what condition. And let me tell you something. It is first come, first serve. I send it out to, randomly I, I pick a person to send a scan to. They don't accept it, I go into the next one. But when you find the person that really wants that stamp that they were looking for, after two or three years and having it in their want list, it's like, it's like a lottery. Yeah. It's like a lottery. Forget the cost. Just that you also took the time to remember them and thank you for filling my set out the way I wanted to end it with. And it's, it's the greatest feeling. It really is. I know that from my side. I, I'm all into history. I love the history behind the stamps, not necessarily the stamps. And I'm looking for some campaign covers from the 1850s. And they're incredibly difficult to find. And when I do find one, it's like, holy. Yeah. And then the person, yeah. will, the person will go, uh, $15. And it's like, you know, I've been searching for this for like three years. $15 is nothing here. But you know, it's, you know, I'll tell you a flip side of the story about that. I don't remember the specific stamp, but a gentleman was visiting my, the stamp show every, like once a year, we'd be at the same place. And he said, if you ever found this stamp, Please let me know. I'm looking and looking and looking for it. And this is like, it was yesterday's habit. So Gary and I are excited. It was like a $300 stamp. Gary, that's the guy that was looking for. I don't remember the stamp. And I show him the stamp. It was like $225. He looks at me and goes, you know what? It's a little higher than I wanted to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, we're talking years. The guy would come out looking for a certain stamp. And that, and it, it's a little higher than I want to pay. I look at Gary and I go, what was that about? <laughs> but you know what? That keeps you going to stamp shows. That keeps you talking to people. Yeah. The pe people are funny. People are funny. People are uh, different. And you know what? When you go to a stamp show or even when you deal with people online or through emails, it's a very diverse group of people collectors. Oh, very yeah. diverse group. I mean, I don't mean a bit. I mean in a great way. It keeps me interested in, in doing this business. I got to tell you, it really does. But like I said, most, I always tell my wife, you know what? Collectors are just really nice group of people. Matter of fact, my dad passed away in 2001, but before that, he used to do stamp shows. And I remember when he would come home, and I was still living at home, my mom would say, so Irv, how'd you do at the stamp show? He goes, you know, Mickey, I didn't do much business, but I made a lot of friends. <laughs> and I think we have to look at this whole industry and the hobby and the whole business environment of just dealing with people that want to collect stamps. And it's a great great thing it's it's collecting something they enjoy and have a passion for how how great is that to do to make money like that make people happy and you know what you're the good guy and then you, you they go away from your table or from the post office picking up the stamp feeling so amazing so great that the stamp you described or saw in a scan looks so much and you know it's funny even an email i promise you now the stamp looks nicer in person and it and and they get it, it says you know what bob you're right <laughs> there's, there's, there's life to it in front of me. And I knew they would say it, but I always want to say, call me when you get the stamp and tell me how much you love it. And <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I do this for. That's what we do it as for as a company. Keep the people interested in the hobby. And you sell them good stamps and you sell them something they're going to enjoy for years and years to come. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a high. It's a natural high. It really well, is. When you go to a stamp show, yeah, I think it's pretty easy to pick out the people who are there who are trying to make money, sort of the hucksters, 
and the people who really enjoy stamp collecting. And you can just point to them and you pick them out. And I don't know too many, well, I know, but I don't associate with them too much, who are just there for making the money. They want to buy a stamp and sell it for 20% or 30%. And There is a definite level where stamp collecting becomes social and stamp collecting comes business. And that's why we do this podcast is I don't think anybody sitting at this table is really like, oh, my God, I'm trying to make, make a 22% on my money. And, the, it's, and you know, it's interesting what you're saying. I believe naturally if you do this business, which I could talk to about my partner myself, we do it because we love it. Guess what? You'll naturally just eventually make a living at it. Oh, yeah. Because the good things just happens. You know. It's also how you deal with people. I'll give you a for instance, you know, and this happens a lot at stamp shows. I'm sure you've heard of it. People coming over to a table with a book from their grandmother. And, you know, I want to always, I see a lot of, I have a lot of old stamps. What's it worth? And I'm looking, I'm glancing down at the book without them really noticing I'm looking at the book. I kind of know kind of what I'm going to be seeing. But right away, before I actually thumb through the book, I look at them directly and say, you know what, just let you know. Just put the value of this monetary value anyway aside. The idea that your grandmother or your mother left you the collection for whatever reasons, because they it's because they love you and they trust you with their, their pride and joy. It's a compliment to you as a couple, and I always tell them that. And you know what? They just loved you enough to leave something to you that they cherished, and that's a beautiful thing. Now... Let me just see what you have here. And, mm-hmm. you know, the transition, even though nine and ten times, the end-all result is not going to be what they really love, but you've, you've handled in a way where they kind of still walk away, you know what, that guy was nice, and you know what, I do feel good about my grandmother leaving me in the collection. Might not be worth So I'll put it back in my house. Maybe I don't have to say, but I do say, you know, there's not much value here at all, Matt. But you know what your grandmother would love you to do? Give it to myself where I could donate it on your behalf to a stamp club or the American Philatelic Society down there, donate it to them. Your grandmother, your mother would love the idea that someone else is really going to enjoy the collection and follow through it and continue it. Because I don't know if you guys, oh no, we don't really, then you know what, please, don't throw it out, let someone else get the enjoyment out of it. And your grandmother, she's looking down and saying, thank you, what a great idea. And I believe in my heart, people feel good when you present it to them like that. It's not always a money thing, you know. It's just yeah. You know, the interesting thing is, the American Philatelic Society is no longer accepting large stamp donations. Oh, I didn't even know that. No, they'll accept specialized collections and things like that, oh. but they won't accept just general, wow, low level or lower level collections because they don't have any room. They have way too many stamps, and they have they don't know how to process and get rid of them all. And you you know what's the, <clears throat> the good part that we do, and I'll tell people if they have a bunch of stamps that they really have no value. They send me scans and everything. I said, you know what? Let me send you $8 in postage, send it to me, and I have like maybe 15 stamp clubs that we literally box up a bunch of stuff every month and send it on your behalf. I'll pay for the shipment to me. Don't throw the stamps out. And you know what? Probably five out of 10 people will say, yeah, that would be very nice, but don't even send me the postage. We'll do it. And I, I write down the name, and I do follow up within like two weeks. I haven't gotten anything back from them. And he says, you know, Ms. So-and-so, you said you would send Oh, yeah, you know what? I will send it. And usually they send it because to have a stamp's go to waste. 
Because yeah. they're going to throw it out. They're going to throw it out. It's going to yeah. go in the garbage. You're saying it's not worth any monetary... Or worse, they're going to stow it in the back of the garage. And no one's going to do anything until mildewy and it'll, just, it'll yeah. be thrown out. Yep. But I try to get stamps that I could send to people. And I said, listen, I'll write down your name in a letter, donate on your behalf. And what people do is they send nice letters to these people. And they love it. Yeah. And that's what I believe every dealer should take the time out to do that. It's not a big deal. And it's a, it's a good faith thing that uh, just makes people feel good. You know, I Absolutely. like that. Do you think the uh, population of collectors is growing or shrinking or staying the same? I think the population in general is probably definitely. I've seen a, a, a shrinkage a little bit. I have, but at the same time, I'm still seeing some new people come into the hobby. So um, the people that are leaving the hobby are people maybe in their later years, but we all seeing people filling a little bit of the gap. Guys that are women, actually have women collectors too, they're in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that they can collect for another two, three decades without a problem, you know? But like everything else, technology takes people away from this fun stuff, this stuff that you could look at and get the appreciation. Now people have iPads and iPhones and all the technology, but I think if people take the time out, which I kind of help that to happen sometimes when I meet people at shows that haven't really expressed an interest yet in collecting, especially kids, I'll say, look at this thing. What do you think? Oh, wow, look at that. And look at the, I said, look at the little, can you see the little boat in it? Whatever it is. You know what? I don't might see the results then, but I believe in my heart that maybe five or ten years from now, someone's going to start collecting stamps that maybe I sat down with and showed them a few things about it. But I believe if there's, there's definitely people coming into the hobby too. There's definitely not even a question about it. Mm -hmm. Well, I have two teenage kids. And I find that they like stamps and coins. One's a coin collector, the other one's a stamp collector. Uh, they find that their computer games, they can actually get things that were like from their computer games, like the one who plays like ancients and stuff like that. He's into like medieval coins and he can't afford many of them, but there are enough of them that That's are cheap where he can say, you know, the guy who was fighting the dragon, well, this is the coin that he probably used. And it, the other one is like, here's a picture of the dragon, you know, stuff like that. So, and That's another nice. thing that I'm trying to, trying to, uh, I mean, we're in a different age group, but the real thing that people, if you mention that these things are relics, relics to young people versus uh, the word relic <laughs> has a different definition to young people than old people. And if you call stamps relics, relics of whatever, they go for it. And uh, like relics of World War One, we go World War One. You know that was a hundred years ago. That's not a relic, but our definition of relic is totally different from theirs. True. Well, and this is so, this is something we've discussed before on the podcast, but Bobby's probably never heard the story. When we were at Orco Expo, and you had we had slabbed up the remnants of a sheet of Confederate stamps that somebody cut up, and we ended up with all the pieces. Not full stamps, but all the pieces. And the Boy Scouts came through, and I was at the table, and they're picking. Oh, what are you know? What are these? Because they're they're encapsulated. They're you know they don't even see those. Right. And I said, oh, this is you know it's a piece of a Confederate stamp from the Confederate States during the Civil War. And one of them ran off and told all the others. They blew them out. They took every single it. Confederate. I love thing. it. I love as it. soon as it, as soon as they they made the. The connection that right. this right. is actually from the Civil War. That's true. They were gone. 
That is so great. And it was all the it was all the Boy Scouts. That is so. Oh fun. yeah, that's great. There's yeah. gonna be some future collectors in that group too. There may be probably a two or three. <clears throat> you never you never know what strikes someone's interest, especially when they're young. But I think um, it's per- become can become personal to them. Yeah. Once well, it, once that happens, then they're hooked. Well, the yeah. the popular games are all story based games. Even if you get into like uh, um, Fortnite, it's a story based game. Even though they're sh- very short stories, you have a whole uh, legacy of what's going on, and people will look at that and go, "Hey, this is sort of Fortnitey," and they will collect stamps on that topic and when you get into the topic of war and shooting people i mean there's just a zillion stamps that were issued during world war ii that they look at and they go holy mackerel this is fantastic and they get i uh, had this conversation with uh, david kugel he goes well you know the computer is wiping out any interest whatsoever in stamp collecting and i said it's the exact opposite they're doing um, online stuff, but the stuff that backs up the story, they want to own. They want to have this little piece of history. They want to have a stamp with a tank on it or something like that. Mm. And uh, I, I just know from my kids and their friends, they go crazy. And we'll like the Civil War, like Tom was just saying, you know, having this little piece of history reinforces so much their computer games. Right. Yeah. We'll know in 20 years whether I'm right or not. (laughs) So those Boy Scouts found that interesting. Have you found anything really spectacular, Bobby? Spectacular? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, 35 years is a long time. You've been dealing with stamps for a long time. You had to have found something. Well, let's see. I remember, and I know I discussed it before, but I remember going through... um, Needing some postage, believe it or not. <laughs> Needing some postage to send out some letters for a stamp show I was giving to Denise in her office. And I did happen to see, I don't know how long we had it on our shelves. You know when, when you're in the stamp business, you put these books on the shelves. Yeah, you, know, you, you never get to it. So now we needed some postage. So I actually went through one of the albums, and I'm going through looking for, you know, 10 cent stamps, 18 cent stamps. I'm looking at this stamp, and it's a John Paul Jones. I said, guess what? That is a perf 12. So I actually find, found a 1789B in a postage album that was on my shelves for like three or four years. So that was <laughs> exciting. That was exciting. And that was like a $3,000 stamp, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but I haven't really found that one great item. Not the one great item. Nah. But collectors are out there constantly looking through collections and finding I, out things. I found one once. I, was, I'd, I read Lynn's article. It was a front page news article about um, the uh, Perf 11 series where it was either Perf 10 at top or bottom or left or right, depending on the value. <coughs> and uh, they showed a picture of a, a full top of the sheet uh, of the 11-cent Franklin Five stamp. 11. right. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to look for that and I'm going to find one. And I wrote down the plate number. And... and uh, happened to be right before a show so I went to the show and I didn't I knew I didn't have a lot of money so I had a wish list of all of these things that no way could I afford them if I paid full price but if I found them misidentified I'd be really good and I found a plate block of the 11 cent 
that was perf 10 all three stamps wow. on the bottom wow never hinged plate block Jeez, that's crazy and that was that was probably my how many years ago was that scott oh, Do you remember? that was had to be f Five? at least 15 really? or more years ago yeah now that's a great fight and and, and it was wow. it was so funny because that same week like literally within a week I found a used 599-599A combination? pair combination. Really? <laughs> That's really cool. That is cool. And that one happened to be in a bag of just random used stamps that I had. That's and funny. it was sitting, and for some reason I decided I was going to go through it. If you think about how many stamps are thrown out, some rare stamps oh, are yeah. thrown out all the time. Because they look just like common exactly. stamps. Exactly, and people want to take the time out to go through everything. And there were, I guarantee you, some 613s that were thrown out, 596. They were definitely thrown out. There were more than like, oh, yeah. you know, 12 or 15 stamps that they have around, like on 596s. Maybe they're, but where are they? Yeah. And it's funny because now people know the values. So now they're looking for the stamps. But guess what? <laughs> it's too late. They're yeah. thrown out already or destroyed. Yeah. Although I get a lot of emails on 596s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and how about the mint blocks? <laughs> you get oh. the, I have a mint block of 596. I mean, <laughs> I got one today. It's look, it's perf eleven. It's uncovered, and I go, yes, it is. Thir uh, Fifty cent catalog value. Have a nice day. It's yeah. by four fifty two. Yeah, it's you know, but people always hope. They always hope that I got it. It is. It's a treasure hunt. I got an email the other day. Someone thought they had a five ninety six with plate number single, hmm. and I just looked in Durlin and I said, nope, doesn't, <laughs> it's doesn't the wrong exist. plate number. It's flat, flat wow. plate plate number. But you kind of wonder, even questions like 596, where are, there had to be mint ones out there. Yeah. Where well, are they? Well, they, they were at one time before they got canceled. But, <laughs> but you think there's only 15 known now. 15. Well, yeah. But they, there were more than 15 made. Well, absolutely. But well, there they, may not have been more than a few sheets, but you well, don't know. But where are but Even where? if there's two sheets, there's 200 stamps out there. Because yeah. you have a pre-canceled and a non-pre-canceled. Right. Yeah. So at least 200 of these things exist. But think about how many Existed. years. Existed. How yeah. many years yeah. and years that stamp has been worth a fortune and haven't been found again. There were two discoveries made in the last five years, I think. Just two. two. But, but I think also that a lot of people get to the point where, oh, I'm never going to find right. one. So I'm they not, don't even bother and looking. Don't even bother, and, it, and it just gets tossed. And it gets yeah. tossed. Yeah. yeah. You know, but that's that's what makes stamps rare. That's it. One of our guys here, Denny, he's what four four eighty two a. I saw that. That's yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. Two yeah. of them. But yeah. to find two of them, <laughs> and they sat in his drawer for twenty five years but before it, he it even bothered looking. It did cost him two cents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Plus the certificate cost. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, they he admitted they sat in his drawer for twenty five years before he even bothered to get around looking at them. Wow. So. It, it happens. And you think even if they find a few more, you think of the relative to the population of collectors, they're still going to be rare. They're still yeah. going to be worth tens of thousands of dollars. Absolutely. Even if they discovered two or three more, nothing. Nothing would not be able to be absorbed right away. You know, So stamps that are worth twenty, thirty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 today, still going to be worth it if they find more discoveries. Still oh, going to yeah. be worth that money. Because there's many more collectors I, that would love those I, stamps. I recall about 10 years ago... Uh, the, the special printings of the newspaper stamps, um, there was one value that they had only recorded a sale of two. And they found another. And, and found one. one of the guys at a show found one. Right. And, I, and I, I'm sure you know yes, about I that do. too. Yes, I do. That was 100,000 yeah, plus stamp. Yeah. But 
in in over a hundred years. Think about it. Nobody had ever only seen three one altogether. You're right. You're right. And, and here nothing. now there's now there's one that they know of, and they don't know where the other two are. Isn't that crazy? But you would assume they went into collections, so they it's possible you they're know, out there. Stamps eventually, you know, people always say I'm looking for a certain stamp. I haven't seen it. You know, eventually. You see them in an auction. We see them pop up private treaty. They do happen. These stamps yeah. they were away for decades, decades. These well, stamps. Well, I mean, look at the stamp on the front of Lynn Stamp News. It's 85F. It's the 15 cent yeah. Z grill. Yeah. There's two known. Well, we know one's in the Bill Gross collection because he has a complete collection. Correct. So this is the other stamp, and this stamp hasn't been on the market since the 1950s. That's right, 56. Yeah, wow, it's a lot of years. So yeah, <laughs> oh that's a lot of years. <laughs> it's 70. That's a lot of years. 60 years. It's yeah. So I mean, but it does. Every once in a while, they do come out that yeah. are literally in these collections that are passed down from generation to generation, and people are not quick to sell a family collection. Yeah. Until the right person comes along and says it's a bunch of stamps or it's a bunch of coins. I don't want this stuff. Just sell it. Then five, six, seven decades later, the collection comes well, out again. What about what about the guy that came out? I guess it was last year. His dad bought, was the original purchaser of an inverted Jenny <laughs> in Chicago, and and, and it was right? in in the safety deposit box, pristine, never hinged, sat there for a hundred years and sold the, for over a million dollars. The heirs finally decided yeah. to sell it. And I mean it, that it happens is, at the end of a line of family who all of yeah. a sudden don't want to hold the collection anymore. Yeah, which I think is good because someone else can enjoy it now. Yeah, you know it's just sitting in someone's you know, safe deposit although, box. Yeah. What just happened with Aravan collection? The uh, oh. Alexander on cover, the Alexandria Blue Boy, and the they bought it back again. Did so they? they bought it from oh, the I didn't collection. Even, didn't yeah, even know that. So yeah, a million dollars. So they bought it back. From themselves, because, you know, there was the heirs asking for money and everything. So it transacted for... That's interesting. ...however many minutes, and then, went, back again. then <laughs> went back into the Aravan collection. That is, I didn't even know <laughs> well, but sometimes they do that because they have to establish a, a true a value market value. For the state purposes. And, yeah, well, they, and sometimes some, they, something like that... It, they paid full commission. Yeah, but, but, so. something <laughs> like, but something like that is hard to value because it doesn't... You know, if it's either unique or close to, you know, very low population. Even in a public auction, it does not mean that that's the value. Because there's a lot of things that go into public auction realizations. It's timing. It's having a guy that comes in with X amount of dollars to spend, and once she reaches that limit, guess what? You just lost another bidder. So a stamp that could have potentially sold for 100 grand hammers at 50 or 60. So, you know... Auctions do not always say But on the other hand, you can get two two or more people who have have basically limitless limitless resources, and they decide that that's going to be theirs. Yeah, no matter what it costs them. And they go head-to-head. And eventually one of them will drop out, but it may go for four or five, ten times what it should go for. 100% 100 right. So you never know. You never know what it's going to do. We have one of those that pops up on the internet all the time when people want to say the grading is full of crap is uh the three cent um the crap. three cent park stamp and it went for like eight hundred or eight hundred dollars or nine hundred dollars which today almost is a fair price graded it was a great it was a great 100 j oh but way back then it went up that high right. when all the other ones were selling for like 150 bucks right. and everybody goes oh what the hell and it's like 
Well, you had two people who just said, you are not getting this stamp. Because it wasn't even unique in the pop report then. <laughs> right. And they just said, oh, no, but no, like no, I said, you don't get that stamp. Good and bad result. It's a timing. It's a yeah. timing yeah. thing. But you know, you know, 10 years later, how many have they added to the population report? Well, that's another oh, thing. That's even a pop report, if you <laughs> think about it, pop report since we've been grading it with over, what, since 2002, three? Yeah. Grading three, is? I think, yeah. So you think about 16 years to have populations of only 10 or, way or less. less. Yeah. That's nothing. That is yeah. nothing. So think about it. to get a grade of 100 or 100 J, that's a perfect stamp. That's not easy to find. Well, no. we, you know, so, you know, people think about SMQ values and, well, I got to buy for under SMQ, but guess what? There are certain stamps that if I get that's really one of two, that's a beautiful stamp and it's stamped from the 1920s or earlier. I would want full SMQ or over, but well, the will thing, I sell it? I don't know, but sometimes I fall in love with the stamp because as you, a collector. But you know, you know think, the thing with SMQ, those values are um, not designed like the the catalogs. It, those catal those prices are actually uh, what prices that are, have come from dealers and Realize. auction houses and things like that. Those yeah. are those are not adjusted for right. for discounted. I mean, you look at the Scott catalog and a lot of stuff you buy at a percentage. Interesting. Well, in the SMQ, it's not set up that way. When when I value stuff in the SMQ, I'm not looking to say, okay, well, uh, it sold for $100, so I'm going to put the price at 130 or 150 because they're just going to discount off it. No. Those are if what it they, sells for 100 that's bucks, what that's what it is. Right. No, that's great. And, and actually, and people should not use that as a discounting mechanism yeah. as right. far as that. Right. Well, and and I, I discount because, you know what, I just will buy it at a certain percentage sometimes of SMQ right. mm -hmm. and sell for a little below SMQ because I just, that's what and, I do. And, and that's you know, price at. and and some dealers do that, but other dealers, um, they know, and most dealers like you know when it's tough to find a stamp in a certain condition. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you're willing to pay full or more than SMQ, which means you have to turn around and sell it for even more than that. Right. So, um, but that's usually when I see market prices, it'll turn up at an auction and sell for more, or I'll get a call from a dealer uh, saying, hey, I have this stamp for sale and, you know, this is what I sold it for. And, and, uh, but you have to also know the dealer you're speaking with. Yeah. I mean, there are people that are just right, but, you know, but you well, know, we but have that several, here, it's several dealers, it's, it's several not just one. That's but, correct. Yeah. But several but deals that, that do private in, treaty business that, right. that you have to just say, this is, if they're saying this happened, this happened. Well, but right that, now, the but that also keys me in to look at that issue and see. If that issue or Deser yeah. deserves to mm -hmm. be moved up Addressed. or down, yeah. and uh, you know, so I I do independent verification. Mm -hmm. I don't just trust a single person saying, "Hey, this is what I sold it for." So it, in a way, um, and sometimes I move it more or less. Um, when you look at an auction, you know, if I haven't attended the auction, I don't know who's in the room and who bought it. But I can look at the sale price and say, well, this is probably a dealer buy based on its being a certain percentage of SMQ. Mm -hmm. But if it brings, you know, ninety percent or a hundred percent of SMQ value, probably going to be a collector. Yeah, which is the which is then considered the market. Which is then right? considered the market. Yes. Well, the cover. I'm, we're editing the new SMQ right now. 
the cover stamp on the new SMQ is going to be the four cent Girl Scout stamp from 1952. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It is now the highest paid stamp. It, it or, well, it's not. It's well, it's one of. I think he sold for six hundred dollars. Six hundred dollars. It beat the uh, Iwo Jima stamp. The Iwo Jima really? stamp in grade one hundred. Yeah, yeah, hundred. Oh, hundred jumbo. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh well, I mean that's another thing you're bringing. You were bringing up is these three cent and four cent issues that now everybody is scrambling through to try to find. Yeah. There are a lot of them where only one is showing up at a hundred J. 100J is a very... And they printed... Right. That's you know, a different grade. 100Js are bringing uh, five to $700 for most issues right. um, in that era. Uh, hundreds... 600 is the record, so but they are getting uh, hundreds, regularly three Hundreds to five. Are, are, you know, bounce around at about half of that. Right, correct. But, uh, and it depends on population. Right. Highly dependent on population at this point because uh, there aren't... A, a large number of, you know, more people are looking for them than are actually buying them once they've been found. Right. And but also, people are slower to send in a stamp to get authenticated. Think about it. Well, if I, it's off a tiny bit. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. they're spending $15 on a certificate and a stamp is worth not even that. So, well, be, people are very slow in sending things unless they're really, really sure. So, I'm, to get 100J, the odds are really slim that you get a 100J yeah. rated stamp. But I tell you what, I mean, the vast majority of people are not going to be able to tell by looking at the stamp. Right. They're going to have, they're not well, going to have the, tell a the trained eye. They're not going to have the trained eye to tell a 98 from 100. Yeah, right. by telling a that, J that is takes easy. A lot of, that takes a lot of work. But yeah, and, and jumbles are rare once you once you get into the 40s, 50s, 60s. Right, they, they are. They, they truly become rare because the, the perforating technology became much better. Very accurate. Yeah, much more consistent. Yeah. Um, yeah, to get a J, you pretty much have how, to be a margin It's amazing copy. how you get a J out of a sheet of 50 stamps when there aren't a lot of other J's. Because that's, what that's what's hard for me to comprehend why that even happens with the technology at that time. We're pretty much almost uniform yeah. throughout, the, throughout the sheet, but yeah. still every once in a while. Well, Scott, why, while. why don't you give the definition to people what a J stamp is? A J stamp is just a certain... Uh, a percentage larger than the normal. Generally 20%. Uh, it's not 20%, but that's a proprietary s number. But no, it's not proprietary. Yes, it is. It's bigger than normal. And when you get into this process where everything well, is we pretty have, we much have an the objective, same. We have an objective definition that we use at PSE. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, essentially it is. It's a, funny. I sometimes look at a stamp. Oh, my God. How did I not call that a jumbo? But there's criteria. There is criteria. It's an objective know. criteria. And... You know, a lot of stamps oh. come in just under that. Overrun countries. Everybody yeah. thinks they're all... Yeah, they all look jumbo. They all look jumbo. <laughs> it's same like, no, they're just all huge. Same thing with the Lexington Concord series. Yeah. Uh, it's funny when, you know, the first six to 12 months when they were grading, first time they saw what, uh, Lexington Concord series stamps, they thought they were all jumbos because these the guys that were looking at them and doing the grading basically dealt in classic material they oh these are cheap stamps we don't deal in those so they ha had no concept of what they normally looked like yeah. and so they just called them all jumbos because compared to the classics they had jumbo margins yeah. compared to a u.s number 26 yeah right but but uh, in reality they're just normal size stamps yep but every once in a while you'll see 
one of those really, really early graded stamps where they messed up and gave it a jumbo. <laughs> well, anything else we want to add here? Well, I'm looking forward to the APS show coming up. Yeah, actually, why don't you give your uh, your you run a stamp shop? Give your stamp shop a plug. Well, give people like a website and a phone number. Uh, Gary Posner Incorporated. Uh, you could visit us on our website, which is www.garyposnerinc.com. Uh, we also sell on eBay now under Gary Posner, um, as well as hip stamps and um, Collector's Corner. And uh, we're going to be at the APS show in Omaha, Nebraska, coming up uh, August 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. And uh, come on down, and uh, we'll talk. <laughs> we're going to be there also. Mark, are you going? I'm going. Will you be selling stamps? Hopefully a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot for sale. Hopefully you'll be selling them, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening. This has been Stamp Show here today, episode number 223. This was Tom. This is Scott. And Cash. And Mark. And Bobby Prager. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.